0: Everybody, it is Tom Chenault, and I am on the bottom of the screen. There is a reason for that today, which will become abundantly evident very, very soon. But we are now Legacy Leadership with Adrian and Tom Chenault, and it's a pivot for us. So you're going to like what you see. You're going to see a whole lot less meaningless banter. You're going to see a lot more thought-provoked, deep conversations. And you're going to see some guests that come from all walks of life that have done one thing and one thing only, and that's changed the world in their own little way. And our initial guest is somebody that is a dear friend of mine through thick and thin over many, many years. <laughs> and the guy that I talk to, I try to talk to every Sunday morning for at least a half an hour for a spiritual check-in, because that's how important he is to me in my life. I love the guy but before we go there over to Adrian Chennault and what's going on my son
1: yeah this is super exciting and this is our what is it i think it's just our second show right in the new format of legacy yeah. leadership and i'm really excited for the conversation today and i you know as we go into a holiday week here in the united states thanksgiving and thinking about that and and you know really trying to slow down and Think about what I'm grateful for. I'm, I'm grateful for this transition and, and for who we get to talk to today. So we're going to have some fun, aren't we?
0: Oh, it's going to be great. Are you going to tell them why we did it?
1: Why we changed the name of the show?
0: Yeah. Why don't I tell them? Because it's better.
1: <laughs> That's what I was hoping for.
0: Okay, good. So here's the deal. The show many years ago used to be called the Home Based Business Radio Show. And it was big. It was a blowtorch. Everybody wanted to have their own show. So I got Troy Dooley and Doug Fireball and all these people hooked up with a guy named Ted Anderson who owns the Genesis Communication Network. And he gave them a Monday through Friday really cool time slot to do a radio show. So they said, wow, that's a great idea. We'll name it The Home Business Show. So I was The Home Business Radio Show, and they changed their name to The Home Business Show which basically wiped me out because they were on five days a week and I didn't want to play any games with it. So I changed the name of the show to the Tom Chenault Show. So we had that forever. And then Adrian shows up on the scene with contact mapping and says, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not getting enough attention. He's kind of a needy kid. So he said, I want to change it to the Network Marketing Leadership Show. So we did that, which was a brilliant move, except one problem. We had no idea that contact mapping was going to be changing the world, not just the network marketing profession, But everything. So we were forced to make another move to be able to get on the audiences in the places like LinkedIn and all those places that aren't real fond of network marketers and still get into their ear as far as wanting them to listen to the show. Maybe someday to bring them into network marketing, maybe not, but it's just more who we are. And I want you to think about legacy leadership. What does that mean? You know, you take a look at when when does it happen? in legacy leadership, the father comes in and he's got a pretty good name to himself, that's me. Uh, Not as good as I think it is probably, but Vic. And here comes this kid. And the kid ends up better than the dad. And that's what we're talking about. I built a legacy that has to go on forever. And here comes this kid and he picked it up and made it better. And he will do the same thing with his kids. And it's going to go on and on and on like that. So that's And there's all kinds of people like that out there. And what we want to do is put light on unbelievable people and unbelievable stories over companies and things like that Products, So that's where we're headed here. It's going to be cool. So back to you and let's get to our unbelievably first great first guest, John Milton Falk.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, here's what I would say. Legacy is, is certainly part of our story. It's certainly part of what we, you know, the, this sort of sharing and taking of the mantle of, from you to me and and that sort of aspect of it, but it's really about how, you know, how for any of you, for any of us as leaders, how do you want to be remembered? What is it that you're going to do that's going to have people remember you and that is going to have a lasting impact in the world, whether they remember you specifically or not? How do you, how do you leave a mark in the world that's positive? And that's really what this is about, and I'm super excited for our guest John Milton Fogg today. And I actually, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a backhanded compliment, so I apologize in advance, John. But you know, John is kind of the mentor to the mentor of of the mentors that many of you know today. And so, you know, you look at a guy like a Ray Higdon or like a Fraser Brooks or some of these guys. You know, many of those people were mentored by guys like Eric Worre and like Fraser or, and like uh, Richard Blissbrook and and others and i remember distinctly richard in particular saying to me that he doesn't believe that there would be a network marketing profession in the way that it looks today if it were not for John Milton Fogg, that he's been that important of a mentor. And even though from an age perspective, in many ways, they're contemporaries, John has been so influential. But I think that there's probably many of you who, who don't know that name and don't know what he is up to and what he has been up to and what he continues to be up to. And so I actually want to go back a little bit in time, John, and have you share a little bit of your, your story of your early journey and career in the network marketing profession and specifically you know the the impact that you were able to create through the magazine that you co-founded in the early days of your career so talk about the you know how, how did you get exposed to network marketing and how did that lead up to creating upline magazine
2: um i had a product experience back in early the early 1980s I think it was I'm not the best with dates Adrian you know, I just they don't That's all right. they're not important so um, I was surprised I remembered you know when the greatest networker was was done um, my wife at the time and I uh, saw some people who left our community and they returned they were in california for months they came back and they looked incredible they just glowed they were wonderful what are you doing i mean i know the california sun but we're taking this blue green algae oh yeah okay so we'll take some so we did based just on noticing them they were a walking ad for the thing and Uh, we did it for about three weeks and then backed off and in about two days, uh, my wife Sue and I both at the same time in the afternoon said, I'm tired. Let's take a nap. We are two people who never, ever, ever take naps. What the heck was that all about? And we said the algae. So we committed to doing it. Um, I signed up as a distributor, I wrote a, I was the marketing manager of a natural food company called Erwan, which was one of the pioneers in that business. I wrote a six, seven page sales letter. I sent it out to 168 people, 138 of them ordered product. I bought, brought 40 people into the business And nobody did a thing because I didn't know what the H I was doing. I had not a clue. I was a marketing guy and a copywriter. And that's what I did. The first week I was in the business, I wrote a newsletter. The second week, I wrote two. The third week, I wrote three. President of the company, lady named Marta Coleman, called me up. And I believe this is direct quote, who the hell are you? (laughs) And um, uh, we started to talk and I then began to write things, uh, brochures and video scripts, audio scripts, uh, training stuff for that company, Celtec. And so I, you know, I I started as a distributor and took off like a shot. But uh, conveniently for me, with my flaw, my character flaws as a network marketer. I took a, a very strong right turn into writing and researching. That's how I met Richard Brook, was through investigating this business. What made it tick? Tom Schreider, uh, you know, a number of people who were around at the time and there wasn't much. I mean, there were two books, maybe. Um, and so I worked for Celtech and other network marketing companies Uh, doing that kind of stuff. uh, And then in 1989, and it's too long a story to tell, it actually started out as a pyramid scheme with speakers coming to hotel rooms. And we decided speakers are great. The hotel rooms are a hassle. Let's make it a publication. We started this thing called MLM Success. I had a good friend, John David Mann, who along with, uh, a man named Randolph Bird had taken a magazine, a magazine John created called Solstice, and they were running that. And we put ourselves together and created MLM Success. Success Magazine calls up and says, hey, this is wonderful. We'll license you the use of the word success in your publication for a dollar a year. That's a call from a New York publishing company. I grew up in and out of New York. No New York lawyers are gonna bless you for a dollar a year. You're hooked and you're gonna get landed somewhere you don't wanna be. I called Scott up in an hour and I said, gosh, that was a great offer and we appreciate it. And it's not necessary. We changed our name to Upline. What more do you wanna know? (laughs) <laughs> that is awesome and we you know I, I think we, we had some very high minded ideas about network marketing I mean I was pretty instrumental in getting that issue of Success Magazine that became famous with Richard Brook on the cover uh, and he was there because I muscled him in um, and they had wanted Jay Van Andel and Rich DeVos on the cover. And they said, no, 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 thank you. They, I really think they thought they were too big a deal to do that. You know, Richard jumped on it. Success loved his chicken choppers to success story. That was perfect for their formula. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we just, we just went from there. Uh, and it was all about when I first started that company, Adrian, my dream, vision, commitment, purpose, pleasure, passion was I wanted to create a company of people who loved each other, who loved the customers and the, and the industry they served, and who, who loved their work.
1: That's perfect. So I'm going to hold on one second, John, because we're going to take a break, but you landed it exactly where I wanted you to. We're going to come right back to that story. And I want to ask you about that on the other side of the break. You are listening to Legacy Leadership on the Genesis Communication Network. We'll be right back. Good job, John. That really was exactly where I wanted you to get to. So well done. And thanks for letting me interject. Dad, you're muted.
2: You're a better manipulator than your father.
1: It takes, uh, I I come by it honestly.
0: Eric, Hello, Dad. Eric Warriors listening to the show. So all of you need to go to GoPro. <laughs> so that's what you have to do. So make sure you get registered for GoPro right now. And he just asked me to speak there on a panel. So I get to be part of this year's GoPro again yet one more time. And I'm very, very excited about that. So all of you need to get registered for gopro and get yourself there it will be worth your time and god bless eric warre and what you guys have done you've known eric longer than me and he loves you with all of his heart and we've talked about you many many times over the years john milton fogg as you've talked about us and we're very very lucky it's adrian's contact mapping commercial god bless you guys thank you for putting that up but yeah this is so exciting so Take and put just, that's out.
1: huge. That's that's so exciting. Are you going to wear pants this time or you think you're going to keep with tradition?
0: I don't know if I can fly <laughs> out there and be live or not. We'll find out about uh, that. <laughs> a pretty small part, so I might not make the in-person cut, but man, I am like the luckiest guy in the world and just can't believe it. <coughs> Imagine so being cool. relevant at age 70. I mean, John's like 71, so different. Yeah, you're relevant, John, and it's it's a good feeling. We're not retiring to a lazy boy chair. We're still getting to hang around with the, with the movers and the shakers, which is cool.
1: Talk a little bit about that, Dad. I think that's actually a perfect little tie-in with what contact mapping is all about mm-hmm. for both of you guys is, you know, what, what does it take to, to build relevance all through your life, even, you know, no matter, how, no matter how young or old you are?
0: Well, my friends are all 70 and You know, they're all retiring because they don't know how they don't have anything to do and they don't know what to do. I have never been more relevant, made more money, been in the middle of more deals and got to do more fun stuff than the last 10 years. When everybody else was going down, I was literally going up. It was all because of my database. It was all because of contact mapping. It was all because I've made myself indispensable because of my contact list to literally everybody. And that is unbelievably big news for me. So yeah, it's cool. And same thing with John, we've talked about John. Uh, now he's at the age where he just knows what he wants to do and what he's good at. And he's gonna make that, you have not heard the last of John Milton Fox. He's <laughs> hooking up with some people and he, you know, he's born to write. He should have never been doing anything else in my opinion. And you wait till the next chapters and next books come out of this guy, because it's going to be beautiful, right, John?
2: Cross your fingers, Tommy.
0: But you think about the last couple of months when I found, obviously, Mark Victor Hansen and that Tom Black. And they said, We need help people writing, but we need help. I go, Good. Mark, uh, Mark Victor Hansen, you need to talk to John Fall a couple of weeks ago. Chris Hussey, we need a writer that can write, that understands his profession. Really? John Mountain Fox, John, your is now,
1: and you are the man. And that's what we're going to do. Thank you. Very cool. All right. We're coming back to the main show here in just a second, but that's exactly right. And the way, you know, if you want to check out what contact mapping is about, all you got to do is go to contactmapping.com app, go see what is going on over there. It will be very much worth your time. And uh, so we're going to come back right now. Dad, take it away.
0: And we're back. It is Tom Chanel. It's Adrian Chanel. This is Legacy Leadership. And what a day it is. We've got the, the one and only John Milton Fogg. If you people haven't read The Greatest Networker, which he wrote that book before writing books was fashionable, it has sold millions of copies in lots of languages all over this planet. And all of you should go buy that book. But what you don't know is there is a lot of books by some unbelievably great network marketers and human beings that John wrote their book for and with them. And he's got an unbelievable skill. And what I love most about John is he is such a student of communication and student of personal work and human relationships. And what we found out over, even though he's got a face that kind of argues the fact He loves people. He loves people with all of his heart. And he's this kind of crusty looking guy with a heart the size of a basketball that literally suffers about your happiness. And I love people like that. I love him. I've got a picture of him right over my shoulder right there. That's that's not actually John Fogg, but kind of looks like him. And I'm very proud of that. So over to you, Adrian. Make the show (laughs) hot.
1: <laughs> All right, so John, just before the break, you you shared something and you you actually had mentioned this to me the other day when we were chatting before the show that the vision behind Upline magazine was was fundamentally love to create an organization of people that loved each other, that loved the profession, that loved the customers. And you know, that even today You know, sort In certain circles, people would go, "Wait, what? What's that about?" But back then, that was a radical idea, I would imagine. Where
2: did that come from? In I don't. How did that show? All right. Well, how did
1: it? How did it show up? I'm not not
2: being funny. I don't have a clue where it came from. It was not. uh, You know, you you asked when you invited me on the show. And you just go, legacy. And I'm like, oh, God, what? Legacy, legacy, what? What is legacy? i got four kids, and I'm real proud of them. And they grew up in spite of me. Um, uh, legacy, what, what is legacy? I, I have no interest in 50 years from now, people remembering the name John Milton Fogg. It just doesn't matter to me. But what does matter to me is in in, in thinking about what does the word love mean? What's it mean to you, Adrian? What's your definition of love?
1: It's a hard word to define.
2: Yeah, no kidding. Thomas, (laughs) you do love like crazy, love and then love more. What do you mean love?
0: That means letting love stand right where it is with no propaganda tied to it where people are treated exactly with nothing but kindness because they are where God has and not where I have. Them. So I have to love unconditional John. That's what it is.
2: Adrian, did you think anything or you want to let us mess, let's, uh, let us old guys mess with it?
1: Uh, you, you old farts take it away. I think that was good enough.
2: I think it's the selfless commitment to other people's growth.
0: Yeah.
2: To to other people being more and better in their lives, in their work, in what's important to them, what's what's their heart's desire. That's love. That's That's selfless commitment. And so... I mean, that's one of the most consistent accusations aimed at me is that I'm arrogant. And I have done a very poor job at communicating that that's not arrogance. It's, it's not unwarranted self-praise. I don't give a damn. What I do care about is people's Spiritual growth, people's getting the life experience of peace and joy and freedom with love, through love. That's it. That's the bottom line. My deal is the universal life purpose for every human being on this planet, everyone, no exceptions, is to love and be loved. So... Can we bring that into business? 20 years ago, uh, Tim Sanders wrote, Love is the Killer App, 20 whole years ago, baby. That just blew me away. (laughs) And it's, it's more true today. You watch Brene Brown is trotting around there with, I don't know how many, 25 million Ted views on vulnerability. What is that? That's love. Compassion, Uh, Michael Ventura, applied empathy in General Electric's medical unit with Nike shoes. I mean, hello. And I think the the polarization that we see in our world with all the unhappiness and and flat-out hate is just, we're the other side of that. I'm the other side of that. And the people I want to be with are the other side of that.
1: Amen. We got to take one more quick break. We'll be right back on the Genesis Communication Network. Sorry, I hate that segment. It's so quick. And we lost Tom somehow, so he'll be back here in a second. But you are so right. And it's amazing, you know, seeing the way that these ideas have come into their moment. And in some ways, you know, Ben... Yeah, what Brene is doing, what what some of these, what several of these people are doing, is is truly remarkable. And the day has come in some ways that those words, you what you have to now do is make sure you know now they're now they're cool words to use, and you have to make sure people actually understand what they're saying or what that's really about, which is a, a radical change from from what it was in the past, and and a great change. But it's interesting, it, you know, it's amazing watching that evolution occur from those being kind of preposterous ideas 20 years ago in many ways, or, or radical ideas to now being so accepted that they're, they're just part of the, the parlance, you know?
2: If, if you look at the relationship customers have with companies for a long, long time, you know, how many people love Tiffany love L.L. Bean, love Apple, you know? I mean, I, I think it's probably the single most, if you can wrap your hands and your head and your heart around it, it's the single most powerful business idea, marketing idea that there is.
1: Yep, it is, it's remarkable. And, and so, and, and, you know, thinking about those brands, why why is that the case? Why do people love those brands? I think it's because they feel a part of something, that they they actually feel as though they are part of a club that they are that it represents something about them, that the other people that are around that brand are people like them, and they feel a sense of belonging around those things. And I think as leaders and as human beings and as people who, are you know, lowercase I influencers, not this flashy thing, but people that are trying to actually create change in the world or have an impact in the world. That's the same thing that we're trying to do is to give people a place where they feel like they belong as part of what we're doing, to give people this sense of togetherness because of being part of what we do. And I think that that's something really special and powerful that we can bring in we can bring to the world, bring about in the world as authentic network networkers. What do you think about that, John?
2: One of the things in in going back, and it really has been a long time since I did Sanders Love is the Killer app, but one of the things he points out that is an ingredient, a big, huge element in all of the successful companies, is the experience that the customer, the consumer, the business partner has with that company. What is the experience like? Um, and, and it's why such, I mean, there's an experience of being a, an Apple, a Mac, an iPod, iPhone user. There's an experience there that people have. There's the quality, the simplicity, um, you know, of the thing. There's an experience that you get from Disney that you don't get at Bush Gardens. It's, it's the experience that's built in and around the product or service, whatever it happens to be. We found out a long time ago at Upline that the number one thing that kept people in the business was a sense of belonging When they belonged, and then you're going to get belong to what? Belong to a group of people who know, like, and trust them. What's another word for that? Who loved them. When there was an experience of I love you and you love me and I'm not doing a purple dinosaur routine here, you know, that's (laughs) what makes it work. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. All right. We're going to come back to the main show here in just a second. Dad, why don't you lead off?
0: And we're back. It's Tom Chenault. It's the Network. It is. The Legacy Leadership Show with John Milton Fogg, Adrian Chenault. I do a lot of things to smithereens right there. Sorry about that. Uh, I'm totally mesmerized by John Milton Fogg and where he thinks from and the way he thinks. And on the other side of the break and during the commercial, he was talking about belonging. And we call it the BLTSs. Where people, if they feel like they belong, if they feel like they are loved, if they feel like they can trust you and they feel they're safe with you, they're going to do everything they can to do business with you. They're, you're going to have a tough time keeping them away from you. If you don't have all four of those, I'll guarantee you they're going to sign up, but they are not in. You've got to have all four. And one of the great inquiries in my life is finding out which one of those four is missing in my close relationships, people that I love, that I know somewhere along the line, one of those four went by the wayside, but our relationship isn't such that we can talk it out. They don't think. And I pull that elephant out of the refrigerator and it's one of the most beautiful experiences ever because we can talk. And John, you and I have had these kind of conversations, which were, they can, can we get straight with each other? And we talk like that. And We've grown much, much closer in an already close relationship as a result of most of the skill sets that you've got with your speaking, listening course and things like that. You get to it. And I love that about you.
2: Well, thank you. And, uh, you know, the song is singing in my head. Um, I'm just a boy who is searching for good. Oh, Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood. Look, my being misunderstood is on me. Um, I'm very clear about that. But what people, my commitment to your growth and development is much stronger than whether you like me or like what I say or like how I say it. And I'm so sorry that I rub people the wrong way because I get in their face and I'm blunt and direct and careless about it. You know, I I grew up with a teacher who said, who cares about your crummy feelings? Well, I finally come to realize everybody, everybody cares about their crummy feelings. And so I need to do that. And it's, Tommy, it's work for me, because I usually put that away. I don't care about your feelings. What I care is that you got an understanding of how you got this belief. And here's here's what we can do so that you can break through this. You've been in network marketing for three years. You've sponsored four people. You're struggling. All right, look, you know, the heck with those workshop people who tell you you're not broken. You're broken. Let's fix this because you should be able to succeed in doing this. So how can I help you? and uh, you know I mean like I said I get in people's face when I do it <laughs> and I'm sorry please I'm very sorry Adrian I can't hear you sorry it would really help if I uh,
1: there's key keyboard strokes but they no, didn't work
2: I- <laughs> I actually enjoyed you a little more in, in that segment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's good I you know sometimes you just have to enforce your ability to shut up by muting yourself. So <laughs> so John, we we talked about it in passing. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of the greatest networker in the world, but suffice to say if you haven't read that book before and you're listening and watching now, it's a book you need to check out. But that book was right. published for Let the first time. I want
2: to inject something that came up okay. in Tom Schreider's got a a page on Facebook and he was uh, advising people to read books a second time. I have a dear friend, George Medu, who used to ask people, have you read The Greatest Networker? Yes, no. If yes, when was the last time you read it? Oh, gee, it's been five years. It's been 10 years. And he would always say, go back and read it again. You'll be amazed at how much how much it's changed
0: wow
1: and that's exactly right that's exactly right so that was published in 1992 and somewhere right around that same time another thing happened in your life that has carried on for the last 20 years oh my god you know about that (laughs) so you have started you so i guess my my math's off you're but you have for over 20 years been using a set of conversation questions that you have shared with me and that we've gotten to, we've, you have done them with my dad for many years. You have shared them with me and I want to open up that box because I think there's a lot inside and I think it's really, really important. And so you call those metanoics today. and, And so we'll maybe get to how and why you came to call them that. But talk about how these questions found I was, you. I
2: was bored, and, so I came up with a name. I was trying to come up go. with Xerox. <laughs>
1: so here, <laughs> so how did these questions come about, and what what are we even talking about here, John?
2: It's part of the mentor coaching that I've done with people and with groups, and and the recent thrust has been noticing the challenge. That we have that's been explosively exacerbated by COVID, where remote work is happening and hybrid work is happening. And 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 even looking, you know, I, I know you guys want to go away from a focus on network marketing, but network marketing is a beautiful place to look. <clears throat> and and that's the business of teams. In today's world, team is it. You ain't doing it alone. You are doing it with a team of people. You know this with contact mapping. I've watched you build your team. Network marketing, to me, is all about creating a great team. And that's not what, I don't know what percentage, but it's way the heck up there, 90-some percent. That is not what 90% of the people are doing. They don't have teams. They have groups. They have groups. They can build groups. And there are people out there who are so masterful at building a group, at creating a duplicatable system, at developing the kind of leaders who can be dropped naked in the Sahara Desert and come out in a month with a downline of 50,000 people driving a Ferrari and wearing Armani suits. Great. Great. It's team that is going to do it. Now, what holds, and I'm, I'm jamming this on you. What holds a team together? Now, they talk about uh, commitment and competence, and I don't think so. I think what holds a team together, the, th- the three of us, let's call us a team right now, is the extent to which we are engaged in each other's personal and spiritual growth. And these questions are one scalable, systematic way to create the kind of connection between people where I know about what's in your heart, Adrian, and I know your vision. I know your values. And once I know those at that level, you fall in love with people. You cannot help it. I have proved this to myself more times. I mean, it's just, it's a fact. When you begin to share that stuff with people, and it's one of the things your father's great at. Yeah, he talks about the weather once in a while, but it's only an entree into, hey, What really makes you tick? Hey, what's the most important What's your heart's desire? What do you care about the most? What are your, what are your most important values? And when we connect on our values and our vision, and then you put a team of people together where people are connected like that, you got the empathy, you got the vulnerability, you got the like, you got, I mean, look at the Marines hard-bitten, killing machines who will go back into a firefight and drag a buddy out under a hail of bullets. Why? Duty? Money? What? These guys love each other. And I've talked to enough Marines to have that be, yeah, you're right. We love each other. So much has been shared with them. And we can do that in all of our teams, in all of our businesses. And these questions that I've come up with, that I've refined, oh, since I sent you the questions, I've changed them three times already. Just because I'm, I'm in a, a, a tsunami of learning new stuff recently. Which I'm, 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 I'm damn near drowning in it. Ugh, oh my God, no more information, please. But John, I can save you. All right. I'm talking too much.
0: <laughs> One of the most interesting things you said to me last week was, Tom, why do you think people don't think I love them? And I thought that was, I, that's that question stuck with me. Because I often just pull my hair out at people not understand them to what, to what, to where I would go for them. And you feel the same inquiry. What did you come up with an answer? Or did you, to that question you asked me about you? You remember asking me the question?
2: Yeah, I do. Uh, I've been thinking about it a bunch and I've identified some things. One is, um, I'm, I'm shy definition of shy for me is i'm afraid of it, it's not that i'm afraid of being vulnerable hell i'll tell you about my sex life you know what do you want to know that's not a problem revealing the deepest thing that i've been thinking about that's that's not the issue the the, the shyness is in in falling short in being able to connect with them in a way that makes their lives more and better because that's what I want to do. And I am afraid of failing at that. So, so so I hold back and, and in all honesty, it's just the freaking carelessness. I can be really careless. I, you know, the title of the little book, speaking and listening subtitle is you don't listen and you talk too much. It's autobiographical. That's it. And I teach people to listen and I teach people to ask questions and I don't do it anywhere near as well as I should.
0: All right, let's take a break.
1: <laughs> that's a uh, that's a perfect little microcosm. So we're going to take one more break. We are going to be back right after this. You're listening to Legacy Leadership with Adrian and Tom Chenault and our amazing guest, John Milton Fogg. And on the other side of the break, we're going to keep digging. It's going to be a great conversation. Stick around.
2: Dig we must, Connes. Is- <laughs>
1: there <it> is.
2: <laughs> all right. So over the years,
1: John, you said something to me the other day that I think was a, an interesting thing, which is you said you know people assume all different kinds of things about me. And one of the things that everybody assumes about me is that I have a Rolodex the size of a small city. And what <laughs> is the truth for so many people, because I think we we assume and we project that onto other people all the time. And the reality of the situation is that for almost anybody, no matter how big or small, a lot of times, the, the circle is a lot tighter than you think it is. And some of that is that that's, you know, it, in some cases or in some situations, because that's just what their preference is. Uh, and in others, it's that maybe there, you know, there wasn't the the structure or the habits or whatever it is to help you to to keep up with people in the way that, that maybe you would have liked to. And so- you're thinking back on the last thirty years, thinking about you. Know, what what would you what would you say has has helped you the most, and what's challenged you the most about maintaining relationships in the way you would like to? What do you want me
2: to? talk about this now?
1: You got two minutes to talk about it now. Yeah, I do.
2: Um, What's challenged me most is telling people and not asking. I'm I am very, very perceptive. Um, It's you know, I've got I've got woman's intuition. (laughs) I got it from my mother.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes.
2: And I can see, literally see, visualize um, what's going on with people. And I go after it. It doesn't work. That doesn't work. You've got to find out from them. They've got to say, they've got to speak it, they've got to tell you. Um, uh, I doubt it's an American thing. I think it's a human thing, but maybe it's just us. Um, So that's been a a thing um, that's been in the way. And, uh, you know, I got to, when you say look back over 30 years, I really have to split the last 30 years, Adrian, in that there's the first 20 years and then there's since sobriety. And they're pretty different. Yeah. They're not not too different. They're hugely different. Um, My openness, my compassion. um, I've had two or three conversations with Christopher Hussey and I wrote him a letter today and I said, I wrote him a, a text today. And I said, Chris, do me a favor, do, do me the favor of a request. And that is, tell me what I could have done to have our conversations be better for you. And then I gave nice. him a list of ideas he could think about. Did I talk too much? Did I not ask enough questions? Did I not put myself in his shoes? It's a bunch of stuff that I just used to prime his pun. Uh, and that's not something I would have done uh, years ago. I would yeah. not have been. I would not have been willing. But I'm too. Maybe because you know I, I'm looking in the rearview mirror and I see the Grim Reaper and I see a little message on the side of the mirror, which says, objects in the mirror may be closer than they appear. So, <laughs> there you, you go. Know. So- uh, that's, that's well said. And
1: I think that reflectiveness is really, really important. And so, yeah, there's some good lessons there. All right, we're gonna come back to the show here in just a second. We'll do it at the top of this minute and, uh, and we'll add one to the clock. So thank you, John, and over to you, Dad.
0: And we're back. It is Tom Chanel. It's Adrian Chanel. It's the Network Marketing Leadership Show, now called Legacy Leadership. So I wanted to get them both in there so you would know it. And it was actually an accident until I saw Adrian and Ted move in the wrong direction. So this is going to take me a while because it's uh, I've been doing it for so long. But I'll tell you, you can teach an old dog new tricks. And what I've seen in John Milton Fogg, my conversations with him on Sunday mornings are sometimes quite difficult because he has such pauses after I get done talking that I think he might've fallen asleep. And now I've got, so he just, he just listens hard till you're done talking. And then he thinks about what you said and then he speaks. And it's clear to me that when I speak out of being uncomfortable during that gap, it irritates him. So I don't anymore. But I've learned a a lesson in listening that a guy that learned a lesson in listening learned earlier than me and taught it to me. And I want to thank you for that, John, because I notice that gap with other people now instead of just trying to talk on top of people. And I know that if my wife is listening, she says, I wish you would learn it a little more, but I'm a work in progress also. But John... You've made a tremendous contribution to my life, Uh, not only in your sobriety, which is by now a long time, but prior to that, you were an idol of mine. I'll never forget the first day I met you at the Mastermind. And from then on, it's been glorious because you're such a deep and truly caring individual who's not afraid to call it like it is. And I love you for that. So thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah. So John, we got we're on our last segment here, and,
1: and I want to drive the conversation home. And the thing that I'm thinking about, and, and you referenced this, that you know, we are in a, a place in the evolution, not just of network marketing, but of society and of where people are going that there's an increasing disconnection. We I was on a call earlier today. We have a we have a global team with contact mapping. So we have developers in Argentina and all these places, and we were laughing because the technology just wasn't working. And you know, we were just making jokes about how hard it, you know, like it's great, but it's also hard to do all this stuff. But the New York Times actually did a piece uh, on Sunday, I think it was, and my friend Trace has shared it, just talking about she used the word unmoored how unmoored these, especially younger Gen Z workers entering the workforce are feeling where they're entering a workforce and they don't, they can't go and stick their head in somebody's office. They're disconnected. And it's more important than ever to do that. And and I think what you have created in these questions is a way to open that up. And so how, do these questions create deep, authentic connection, no matter who you pair together?
2: When you share with me, you remember, I'll give you some of the questions. Um, What's one fear you have? And how does that fear motivate you? What's the best thing that's happened to you this week? And what is it that made that so good? What's one unwanted aspect of your life that you'd like to change? And what would make changing that be most meaningful for you? Those are three examples of the questions, and they go deep. Now you can say, hey, that's nice, that's thoughtful. Blah, blah, blah. But when you consistently do these with another human being for a month, Monday, I ask you, you answer. Tuesday, you ask me, I answer back and forth and back and forth, and we do that for 30 days. Change partners in 30 days, change partners again, so you're with three different people over a 90-day period of time. You begin to form habits of connecting with people, Automatically, you're taught to ask questions. You're trained in asking, instead, and you're trained in listening. Um, you're trained. You you are you're developing habits. You're shifting your perspective from a focus on what's wrong to a focus on what's right, to a fear based thought system, to a love based thought system. There you go. And you know these questions have been designed to do that. And so I'm, I'm working on them and we're working to develop them to get them into teams of people because I know how they work with individuals. I mean, you and I practiced them just once. Tom and I did them for a lengthy period of time. I've been doing them for close to 30 years. And they were a huge part of what helped me stay sober. You know Tommy yeah. kicked my ass, and he got me sober, but those questions helped me stay sober, stay engaged and sober and so you know what we're looking for, I think, is that where they're gonna shine is in with teams of people, and gosh, we just need this desperately we do we do I,
0: I asked you the question but you didn't give me the answer, or you may have, and I didn't listen to it, which is possible, but my newest rant is that guy, that Johan guy that said the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety. It is true human connection. What do you think about that?
2: Say it again. The opposite of addiction is connection?
0: Is true human connection.
2: Is true human
0: connection. Look at the isolate. Look at the, I mean, you start deep and digging into that thought process and I'm telling you, I'm more convinced every minute it's true. Why people go to those places is because they're lacking true human connection. And I think it really exposed itself in the pandemic.
2: Well, you know, I'll go back to the universal life purpose is to love and be loved. Mm. And if you, if you ain't being loving and you ain't being loved, you can drink your way to getting away from it. You can, yeah. you can forget it. You can sidestep it. You can say it's not a problem. You can delay, but eventually it catches up with you. Sorry, baby. You got to learn to love and be loved. That's where the energy is. That's where the juice is. That's the brass ring. Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. John, it's been so good being with you today. Uh, you need to connect, those of you who are listening, connect with John Fogg, F-O-G-G on Facebook and reach out to him about these questions. It's, this is evolving, but it's important, important work. John, we thank you so much for being here with us today. This is gonna be just a, a show that I'll go back to. And I think it's the beginning of huge, huge things that you're working on. And so make sure you connect with John. Thanks for being with us today. And we will be back next week on Legacy Leadership. We love you. And yeah. Richard
0: Brook is with us.
1: All right, that's awesome. Fantastic. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Love you, Jeff. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. See you next week. Bye-bye.